opportunities. <laughs> it's 7 o'clock at night. That's, That's right. 1900 hours. And you're listening to the Polo Sargero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. It's the Paul Salguero Show. Uh, in studio right now, we have Jacob Ventura, who is a candidate for state senate in, uh, in Massachusetts. He's running against uh, uh, Paul Feeney. Uh, Jacob, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Um, have you been in here before? Have you done any interviews? Or, or any this is an exclusive. This is my first <laughs> time, so I'm giving you the exclusive. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, so uh, I figure this could be a nice way to, for the community to get to know you, uh, kind of what you stand for, what you want to have done. Uh, so for starters, just tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of your background and kind of experience what you've done, uh, and where you grew up and everything. Give us like the whole lowdown, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. No, so I was uh, born and raised in the Dartmouth, New Bedford area, so southern Bristol County. Um, I had been familiar with Attleboro uh, as a child, coming to La Salette for the, the Christmas lights. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I think that was my first experience with Attleboro, but uh, had the opportunity to move here um, recently and, uh, um, you know, uh, decided to run for this seat. Uh, but prior to that, uh, was the first uh generation college grad in my family. I uh, went to UMass Dartmouth after yep. uh, attending uh, public schools, uh, had a degree in finance, worked in banking for a, t uh, a little while, and uh, at that point I decided to uh, uh, parlay that into the State House Public Service, uh, had the opportunity to work with uh, Stephen Howitt, the representative uh, just south of here in Seekonk and Rehoboth yep, and Norton, yep. and uh, through that experience uh, really learned firsthand how uh, the legislature works and more importantly how um, the, uh, the, the great impact you can have on the local communities and that's really what it's about. Um, after that experience I had an opportunity after hard work to go to law school down in Virginia at Washington and Lee and uh, came back here and was set to practice law and then uh, Senator Jim Timothy all of a sudden resigned and yeah, there yeah. was a vacuum um, in my party. Uh, I was asked to run and it was not the first uh, thing on my mind uh, <laughs> and after a little bit of convincing we finally gave it a shot. So uh, yeah. it's been now, we're going on 18 months of uh, constant campaigning for this legislative seat. It feels like a presidential race in terms <laughs> of the length. So. And uh, how has it been campaigning? What's the feedback you're kind of feeling from our community? What are their concerns? You know, what's the feedback you've been getting? Sure. So uh, and w when you mention community, I, I just have to mention that this district is so large. Um, this uh, district, road-wise, it's about 40 miles north to south from the southern tip of Rehoboth and Seekonk all the way up to Medfield and Sharon and Walpole. Uh, Attleboro happens to be conveniently located in the center of the district. Um, so really there are nine communities in this district. Uh, each community has very, very vast uh, uh, needs, um, different uh, challenges, um, but generally people have been extremely receptive. Uh, this has been a, uh, a great opportunity and I've been going door to door um, since, you know, last summer, uh, summer of 2017. So uh, I've had an opportunity to meet thousands of people yeah, absolutely. and business owners. Is there a common concern that uh, these families are having? out there what's kind of what are they worried about these days yeah so you you know when you meet that many people you start seeing themes that arise um again you know a lot of it is town by town 
uh, just over the border, of course. Uh, your your listeners know about the, the water situation in Norton. Yeah. Uh, I just came from knocking over there, so that's why it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but uh, in Norton, we have severe water problems. I would say district-wide, um, you know, one of the, the constant uh, issues is senior citizens uh, feeling the squeeze property. They need property tax relief. Uh, property values continue to increase. And uh, many of them are on fixed incomes. Uh, so that's one of the issues that I think we're going to try and deal with uh, in the next legislative session in January if I'm elected. So, Absolutely. Uh, but schools, you know, schools are uh, uh, an issue district-wide, statewide, big priority for us. Um, local roads and trains, so our means of transportation, that's obviously a huge issue here in the Commonwealth. Uh, and uh uh, we're going to need to fix it and bring it up to par for the 21st century if we want to continue to have a thriving economy here. So, you know, I would say schools, roads, um, tax relief for our seniors. Uh, of course, we support our veterans. Uh, public safety is a huge concern as well. So, so these are some of the, the broader themes, I'd say, of the campaign and concerns of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I kind of want to – I think this is a good uh, platform to kind of explain to our listeners um, – what are the, some of the current issues that our state faces as a whole and kind of, uh, you know, what would you want to change? What would you want to bring uh, to our state? Yeah, so, you know, my, again, my background is in finance, um, and I uh, also had the opportunity to serve on a local finance committee uh, in the town of Dartmouth. Uh, I was probably one of the youngest folks in, in town meetings, so I have that municipal piece, yeah. uh, similar to the governor and lieutenant governor. And I think having that municipal finance background is crucial in uh, bringing that experience to the legislature. Uh, many of our cities and towns, every single one of our cities and towns in the Commonwealth, um, their fiscal year projections are obviously heavily relied upon uh, through state funding, whether it's Chapter 70 or Chapter 90 funding, uh, and having that uh, municipal background, I think, is helpful. Um, one of the issues that the governor and I and uh, the uh, the Republican caucus uh, cared very deeply about is uh, local aid and increasing our local aid for our schools and for our transportation. And so that's one of the things that uh, we're going to push. But having that, you know, municipal finance background, I think, is helpful. Yeah. And uh, what, what were kind of some of the projects or uh, workings that you, you had to do being on that finance committee? Because I think that's kind of interesting to uh, you know, I, I always think the background of our politicians running or candidates running that it, it shows that you have experience in that municipal uh, background. So what are some of the, the projects that you guys had to do or kind of what was your responsibility as a whole on that uh, committee? Sure, and this is going back a few years, so I'm trying to jog my memory. But uh, the Finance Committee and generally Finance Committees across the Commonwealth are advisory in nature. Uh, they're appointed by a town moderator and uh, – uh, they advise town meeting members and the select board usually. So in our case, we had uh, public hearings with uh, town administrator, the town administrator. We had uh, department heads come in, and uh, we really ran the nuts and bolts of the financial analysis along with the treasurer. So, for example, if the police chief came in and said, you know, hey, I need uh, an extra million for new cruisers or uh, an upgrade to the police station, or if the, the superintendent of schools came in, or the veterans agent, or the council on aging, or what have you, health department. Uh, and so we really delved into the the budget. And um, when I when I had served on the finance committee, this was still during the uh, the heart of the economic downturn and 
um, we weren't even recovering by that point. So having the financial analysis, uh, the, the skills to be able to really uh, get the best bang for your buck for the taxpayer and really squeezing every penny out of every department and uh, making sure that government is running efficient, I think that's the type of experience that we need desperately on Beacon Hill right now. Um, the governor has set out uh, pretty major reforms. Some of them have gone through in a bipartisan manner. Um, you know, I think there's more work to be done in that regard. Um, and for your listeners, you know, the state of Massachusetts, we just passed um, a $42 billion uh, fiscal year budget for fiscal year 19. Um, I'd like to see that budget process cleaned up where legislators have, for example, more than 24 hours to review the budget. Um, you know, it's hundreds of pages, and oftentimes through a secret process of a conference committee, they'll try and force through amendments and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, vote up and down on uh, packaging of amendments. And it's just a very uh, messy process, and I'd like to see more transparency for the public. Um, ultimately, the goal, though, uh, is just like we did at, at a local level and just like the city of Attleboro does to, uh, to be efficient. Um, we want to maintain the services and actually increase the level of services to the taxpayers while decreasing the cost, and that is possible. Yeah, so. And, and uh, how would, uh, what are some examples? How would, uh, we able, how would we as a community be able to, uh, to do that? What are some of your kind of ideas to... Right. Well, I mean, my job uh, running for the state Senate, w my job would not be to... Uh, you know, uh, to tell a community w how to run their municipal budgets, but at least at the state level, um, you know, one of the examples is Mass Health, for example. Mass Health is now 40% of the state budget. That means it's crowding out other discretionary areas of funding, like veteran services, senior services, transportation, uh, education, local aid. And um, look, nobody's trying to kick anybody off of subsidized health uh, care. Yeah. Uh, what we're trying to do, though, is make some of the necessary and tough reforms in a bipartisan manner to make sure that these programs are sustainable and that we can still fund other areas. And that's just one example of many. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks, we're in studio with uh, Jacob Ventura, who's running for state senate this coming election. Uh, we're going to talk more about his platform, what's going on in the district, things he would like to change, uh, and just talk about his background in general. So stick around. We'll be we'll talk about Jacob Ventura a little bit more after these messages. URI's Providence Campus Arts and Cultural Program will host the documentary film Jen Silent on Friday, November 16th from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. in the PATH Auditorium on Washington Street. Jen Silent is a documentary by filmmaker Stu Maddox that asks six LGBT seniors if they will hide their friends, their spouses, their entire lives in order to survive in the long-term care system. Jen Silent discovers how oppression in the years before Stonewall now affects older LGBT people and what is being done about it. Admission to the film screening is free. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're... You're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. 
Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks has been part of the Attleboro area since 1906. They have always been involved in community service and charitable fundraising, giving back to our veterans, supporting our seniors, and providing youth enrichment opportunities, such as soccer and hoop shoots, fishing derbies, and dictionary projects, while also providing academic scholarships. The Elks are over 800 strong locally, and their members are their greatest asset. To learn more, you can go to attleboroelks.org. Remember, Elks care, Elks share. A meeting of the minds was at Skyrock Brewery to discuss the themes and elements of Ron Carlson's novel, Five Skies. This week on AACS, catch Five Guys, Five Skies, a presentation sponsored by Attleboro's Big Read that dives into the story with the help from a cast of characters from the community. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on AACS.com. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. Our guest uh, this evening is Jacob Ventura, who is a candidate for state senate uh, this coming election, November 6th. Uh, so, Jacob, what's some of the, the biggest issues that you, th- you think uh, we have just in politics in general? Well, I mean, I think most of your uh, listeners could probably answer that question. I think uh, on a national level, our politics are broken as a nation. Uh, Washington, D.C. is a disaster. I had the, the opportunity to uh, uh, work in Washington, D.C. on and off for the last few years while I was down at law school. Um, I clerked in Congress, and it was a great experience. But, uh, you know, you don't need to have work down there to understand how broken it is. The You know, both parties with uh, political scorekeeping, there's just a lot of noise in Washington, um, and it seems to never end. Um, you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I think here in Massachusetts, and, and my job in the Senate would be to uh, avoid, avoid that noise and focus on the job at home. Uh, so that's here in Attleboro and the surrounding communities. Um, you know, bipartisanship is very important. I'm proud to have the endorsement of Governor Baker, and I think he um, has kind of bucked the trend on a national level and avoided all that noise and focused on getting the job done for Massachusetts. Um, you know, and I, when I go door to door, I speak to folks about the importance of our schools, making sure our roads are uh, in decent repair. These are not Republican issues or Democrat issues. These are just local American issues. And, uh, you know, having had the opportunity to work with Representative Howitt at the State House, um, I had many years of experience up there working with uh, Republicans and Democrats. And um, quite frankly, most of my friends up there are Democrats. So, and I'm a Republican. And I think that's helpful in terms of advocating, uh, being an advocate for the area, for the city, and uh, getting legislation passed and getting uh, uh, state funding back to our communities. So I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, uh, even in terms of when candidates are running, I always try to say focus on the candidate, not necessarily party, because that's just, I don't know, like you said, you see it whether it's at the city level, the state level, the federal, it's it's just counterproductive. And it becomes like an us versus them mentality, and you just get nothing done that way. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll just make a point as well. Um, again, I'm a Republican. I, I'm a fiscal conservative, uh, and, uh, you know, I believe in good governance. Uh, but again, there are a lot of good ideas on all sides of the aisle. Um, I feel very, very important about uh, uh, about this issue, though, of bipartisanship. Uh, my campaign manager is a Democrat. Um, some of my top advisors are Democrats and independents. Um, and uh, I, I think that's important, bringing people together. Oh, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And it's good to see. 
good to see that your campaign is, is is involved in that. But you guys recently had a debate too, um, the other day at what was it Seaconk, right? You had a debate. That's right. TV, TV. Uh, so I'd like to give our listeners a chance to understand the differences uh, between you and your opponent. And one of the biggest ones uh, is immigration. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's what's Jacob Ventura's stance on immigration? Kind of, how do you feel about it in general as as our state? Yeah. So, um, again, immigration is a uh, obviously a hot uh, topic right now nationally. And uh, again, my approach to immigration is to avoid the national noise on both sides and focus here locally and focus on things that we can control. Um, the, the biggest difference between me and my opponent um, is probably on immigration. Uh, last year on May 23rd, uh, actually this year on May 23rd, a few months ago, uh, the Senate uh, during the budget debate slipped through an amendment uh, to the Senate budget, um, Amendment 1147, which was essentially a sanctuary cities, uh, sanctuary state amendment. Uh, they refer to it as safe communities, um, but Regardless of the, the title, it's semantics. At the end of the day, uh, this amendment uh, went uh, called for the prohibition of our local police, our local sheriffs, and our state police from uh, inquiring about an individual citizen, citizenship status uh, when this individual was already apprehended. So we're not talking about raiding people and you know lifting people from the shadows and. You know, this is not about that. This is about a public safety amendment. And as far as I'm concerned, um, what the Senate did, and my opponent voted for this, was to prohibit our local law enforcement from inquiring about uh, citizenship status. I disagree with it. Um, and uh, I think most people in this district tend to agree with me that we should have, uh, we should give our local law enforcement all the tools they need to keep our community safe. Um, this particular amendment, which was... Uh, Again, uh, Amendment 1147 to Senate Bill 4. This was uh, Senator Jamie Eldridge's amendment, um, dubbed Sanctuary Cities or Safe Communities. And um, it went so far as to if a local police officer, for example, an Attleboro officer had apprehended someone on a drug trafficking charge and inquired about citizenship status to cooperate with our state or federal authorities, um, that individual police officer would actually be uh, reprimanded. And so I think that bill went too far. It was extreme. And um, it was so extreme that there were even six Democrats who joined the seven uh, Republicans in the Senate to vote against it. Uh, it ultimately made it through the Senate, uh, but then failed before it got to the House, which is also Democrat control. So that's how extreme it was. And I think that's probably the biggest difference um, one of a few issues between me and my opponent. Sure, sure. L let's get uh, let's get into the, uh, uh, the all the issues because uh, I think it's a good way for because the election is November sixth, so it's right around the corner. It's coming up. Uh, and w what are some of the other ones that y you feel uh, you are pretty uh, different as opposed to your views uh, against your opponent? What are some of the other uh, issues that you think are? Something that he like, he stands for that you're just like, nope, not me. Yeah, so he supports a single-payer Bernie Sanders-style health care system. I don't. Um, I do support legislation that we've done in a bipartisan manner here in Massachusetts where we can continue to offer the world's best health care and uh, continue to try and make advances in curbing the cost to make it more affordable. I'm all for that, of course, uh, for seniors and veterans and working families and small businesses. Um, I don't believe single-payer is the way to go. Um, 
it's a it's essentially a socialist plan. Uh, he supports it. It would cost the Commonwealth, on conservative estimates, uh, $30 billion, and uh, there's no way to pay for it. There's just no way. Uh, so that's a difference uh, between he and I. Um, and then, you know, general economic uh, philosophy. Uh, I was endorsed by the National Federation of Independent Business. Uh, they represent thousands of small businesses across the Commonwealth uh, and over one million small business employees. Um, I'm very pro-small business and pro-entrepreneurialship. Um, I think my background in finance lends that perspective where, look, you know, you have a lot of small business owners uh, and startups here in the Commonwealth who are trying to just make it by. You know, they pay their taxes. Uh, energy rates are through the roof. Health care is through the roof. And the last thing we need is more uh, burdensome regulation uh, and uh, additional taxes. Um, my opponent uh, is for higher taxes, more government spending, um, and uh, the Associated Industries of Massachusetts, uh, they're referred to as AIM, uh, gave him actually the lowest ranking of 200 members of the legislature. He's only been in there for eight months, and he already has the lowest ranking for uh, business friendliness in the Commonwealth. So I think immigration, we differ completely, and uh, uh, business uh, uh, relations, I think we differ as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting because just the other day we were talking about, and Attleboro is kind of one of these places where that's so relevant. You look at all the jewelry factors that we had at one point and this small businesses that were thriving, and now it's just whether jobs are going overseas or it's becoming uh, so strict on these uh, businesses to, to come here and whatnot. So it's, uh, I think that's a you know small business. That's really, in my opinion, what kind of makes a community. So it's important to, to prioritize them. Right, and I think, I think Attleboro right now um, – we are prime for great growth. Uh, we're located be, uh, conveniently between Boston and Providence right here on I-95 and the, uh, the commuter rail. Uh, obviously, as a state, we have some transportation issues we need to address with both of those means of transportation. But uh, we've got a great downtown here. I think it could be more bustling, uh, a more transit-oriented um, community here down near the uh, uh, the train station and also continue to uh, keep the characteristics of the, the city that uh, has made this city a great city over the last several decades and uh, beyond. So Yeah, absolutely. We're a gateway city, so there's also different opportunities That's for, right. for fund and, um, funding to, to really get in it because it's, like you said, we're in the middle of Boston and Providence, and you also... Attleboro is a walkable place too. You know what I mean. From downtown, even here, we can uh, you access tons of restaurants and different businesses. But already, folks, we're in studio with Jacob Ventura, who is a candidate for state senate uh, for this coming election, November sixth. Uh, we're gonna come back talk more about his platform. Um, uh, excuse me, some of the things he wants to see done, and uh, just just his general background and whatnot. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. On October 30th at 6.30 p.m., the Center for Reconciliation will host The Hidden History of the Second Amendment, a presentation by Carl T. Bogus at Cathedral of St. John, located at 271 North Main Street in Providence. This is a free discussion on the history of the Second Amendment and how it intersects with the history of slavery in the United States. Guests will also have the opportunity to learn from local organizers about gun control activism today. Carl G. Bogus is a professor of law at the Roger Williams University School of Law. He has written and spoken extensively about both the Second Amendment and gun control policy. 
Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For over 47 years, Amigo Inc. has been offering services and programs for children and adults with autism spectrum disorders and other disabilities. Located at 33 Perry Avenue in Attleboro, Amigo has been committed to building vital relationships while expanding their community ties on the local level. Amigo provides day programs, transitional planning, and a continuum of services to support all ages. For more information, you can visit their website at amigoinc.org. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with Jacob Ventura, who is a candidate for a state senate um, this coming election, November 6th. Uh, so, Jacob, you, you mentioned you've been on the finance committee at the local level, and I think that's kind of important uh, to mention because part of what you're doing is constituent services. So, uh, kind of, if you were elected, what could our uh, our district really uh, expect in terms of constituency, uh, constituent services uh, if you were elected? Yeah, look, we opened the, uh, briefly with this topic. Um, it's very important, you know, for your viewers uh, and for the paper here to sell papers uh, to report on how a legislator goes up to Beacon Hill and votes yay or nay on a particular piece of legislation. Um, and, and it's very important, you know, where uh, an individual stands up in the legislature on important policy decisions. But um, I learned very quickly uh, with my time at the State House uh, that uh, a huge impact uh, and something that doesn't make the headlines ever, it never will make a headline in a local paper, is the impact that you can have on individual constituents. Um, uh, I, I worked in the House of Representatives from 2011 to 13, went to law school, came back and did it again for a year, uh, just until last year with Steve, uh, Stephen Howitt out of Seekonk. We represented uh, the towns that surround Attleboro. Uh, through that, I worked with uh, uh, all of the other regional delegation, Betty Poirier, Jay Barrows, um, um, you know, Richard Ross at the time, and uh, Paul Haru, and uh, up to uh, Sean Dooley and other folks. And, uh, you know, one of the common themes with state legislators is that you help your individual constituents. Uh, I can't tell you how many stories, uh, uh, times I'm out in public where someone will come up to me years after the fact and say, do you remember you helped me with this issue or that issue? And it can be anything from uh, getting a pothole fixed on Route 44, which is the first thing I ever did as a, a legislative aide down in uh, Seekonk, um, to uh, helping an individual who uh, had come on hard times and was uh, living in the back of his van in the middle of winter, uh, get him emergency housing. Uh, it turns out that that individual, while I was on the phone with him, he was a disabled veteran. Um, and it, it's interesting, that individual, uh, four years after the fact, came up to me um, 
at a community event. I forget where we were, and he had mentioned, you know, you remember you did that for me. And, you know, while I went down to law school, I completely forgot about it, but I do remember it when he... So those are the types of impacts you can have. They're never going to make uh, uh, the front page of a newspaper, of course, but... Uh, and, and this goes from, you know, uh, home heating assistance for people who are uh, facing tough times in the cold winter months to... Uh, uh, working with utility companies after storm damage. We've had quite a, a, a few storms uh, working to make sure people have restored power. Agricultural issues, Rehoboth is a right to farm community. Um, uh, more urban issues. Um, so it's just, it's fascinating the, uh, the breadth in which uh, constituents will call the office seeking, for, uh, seeking help. You know, we've helped uh, uh, parents secure uh, adult uh, uh, daycare for their uh, disabled child. Uh, we've helped people with mass health and uh, unemployment. Um, so these are the things, again, don't make the headlines, but uh, this is really where people, um, where you can make an impact in the community. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, th that's, I always say being a, a politician or legislator, it's more, you know, you legislate probably, in a, you know, a small portion of the time, and that's probably what you kind of get recognized for. But behind the scenes, you know, even like when I was running, uh, you know, people had uh, questions about their flood insurance because they weren't inside a map zone and right. why they get in this. And part of it was reaching out to different offices, and then and that's when they were like, "All right, well, we'll figure out this info, and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll call you back with, with everything." Um, but it's interesting. You, you mentioned Rehoboth too, and uh, our district's pretty. Uh, pretty wide range and varies from you know from Rehoboth to here to. To Sharon, it's uh, oh yeah. Do you see uh, some of the issues that vary from Rehoboth uh, to Atterboro? Kind of, what are some of the different things that people are advocating for in Rehoboth versus uh, maybe a more urban type of? Uh, well, um, you know, I mean, they border each other, so there's a lot of crossover in, in terms of this example of Rehoboth and Attleboro. Uh, but, you know, again, Rehoboth is a very rural town. Sometimes we joke that there are more cows than people in the <laughs> town, you know. But uh, in Rehoboth, I've dealt with, uh, uh, it seems like, dozens and dozens of farmers on various agricultural issues, by local initiatives. I've worked on uh, uh, veterans' issues in Rehoboth, uh, uh, school funding, uh, uh, repaving of Route 44 with Representative Howitt. I yeah. mean, uh, and a lot of these issues are the same you'll deal with in Attleboro, but uh, Attleboro is a unique situation. It's a, You mentioned it. It's a gateway city. Yeah. And when you have a city in your district, there are a whole host of other uh, sets of issues that come with it. Um, I look at it as an opportunity. Uh, uh, looking forward to working with the city council and the mayor to making sure and uh, and the other, the other regional delegation to make sure that we continue to make sure that Attleboro sees the, uh, the investments from the state that they have received in the past uh, to make sure that we continue to develop, uh, grow economically, and make sure that it uh, continu continues to be a great place to live and work and uh, something that's affordable as well. So. Absolutely. Uh, we were talking uh, earlier, too, about some of the different issues. Uh, environment is probably one I think has been being talked about a little bit more often now. Uh, kind of how do you, what's your stance on environment? Kind of what are you advocating for? What would you like to see done regarding our environment? Sure. So I think the, 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 the legislature uh, this past year really pushed an aggressive, uh, when I say aggressive, something I supported, but a, uh, uh, an ambitious uh, uh, environmental protection plan. Um, we have what's called the uh, Renewable Portfolio Standard in the Commonwealth, which, um, you know, says by a certain date, I think it's 2030, that uh, X amount of 
the state's energy come from renewable sources. That means uh, less reliance on um, gas, for example, and a more uh, stronger reliance on solar and wind and hydropower um, and what have you. And um, so that's something I would absolutely support, continuing to make sure that the state of Massachusetts leads the nation in carbon emission reductions, which we have, and continue to uh, lead in terms of uh, alternative energy. Look, down over in New Bedford, uh, we have, we're on the cusp of deep water uh, uh, offshore wind, which is going to be huge for this uh, region, southeastern Massachusetts. Um, I think here, uh, more locally, we can continue to push uh, uh, for uh, companies to come here that lead in that space. Look, I was just out in uh, <clears throat> on the West Coast uh, earlier this year meeting with an energy company um, who deals with uh, energy storage and transmission. That's another huge issue we need to deal with here. Uh, this company was able to uh, uh, develop the technology to uh, more efficiently transmit uh, um, AC and DC waves uh, from renewable sources to, uh, for example, a public facility, which could potentially reduce uh, the energy waste uh, by 30 to 40 percent. And those savings you could pass on to public facilities like uh, public universities or state buildings um, uh, and also private consumers. So I think if we can continue to seek out these technologies, uh, it's pro-environment uh, and it's also pro-growth for the economy. And I think it's smart that we do that. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. I think Massachusetts needs to continue to lead in that. Good stuff. All right. Uh, you, you mentioned too, you worked at min, um, the municipal uh, level. You also clerked and you also worked at the state house. What's some of the uh, maybe the lessons you've learned working at the state house, or when you clerked, with some of the rewarding experiences, or something you actually no, let me phrase it. First, what's one thing that surprised you the most at working there? You were like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know the political system was like this. Yeah. And then maybe something you learned. Well, you mentioned my clerking experience in Washington, and then my experience at the state house. Uh, you know, I, I had always enjoyed watching politics on the news, and you know being involved and uh, being involved in campaigns locally here in Massachusetts. I think the biggest surprise to me was when I first joined Representative Howitt at the State House, because you know, you, you have a lot of folks who are Republican or Democrat. Uh, the biggest surprise to me was uh, how well people in Massachusetts at the state level work together. And I think we've been over this, but bipartisanship is huge. Um, the, all of these issues we're talking about um, sure, people have disagreements on some of the, the smaller details, but uh, uh, when it comes to the environment, when it comes to regional transportation, uh, veterans, seniors, education, um, you know, I think people work very well together uh, to represent their respective districts. Um, and I think that was probably my biggest shock, uh, surprise, uh, at the state level. And conversely, at the federal level, uh, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed my time. It was a good legal experience working um, in Congress, but uh, it was just uh, complete gridlock, political yeah. gridlock. It was all smoke and mirrors, um, and uh, it was just constant political uh, scorekeeping. The Republicans would attack the Democrats, and then an hour later, the Democrats would attack the Republicans. And you still see it in Washington, and it's unfortunate. Uh, that's why I'm very, very grateful. Again, I have to underscore this point that uh, the governor and lieutenant governor in this administration have, I think, bucked the trend on a national level and uh, are putting 
politics aside and focusing on the issues here at home. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do for uh, this region and this city. So. Yeah, awesome stuff. I know when I interned at the State House, when I went, I went to school in D.C. too, I was at uh, George Washington University for a little bit. And I always say, like, the, the involvement I had in politics kind of took away, like, the whole starstruck thing for me. Because <laughs> once you start meeting everyone, I'm like, oh, this is normal. Like, they're just normal dudes. Yeah. Like, you know, I was in D.C., would be at a Whole Foods, and, like, Nancy Pelosi's walking down the aisle. <laughs> I was like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> but it's uh, it was kind of interesting to, you yeah. D.C. is, like, the hub of it. Like, you can do any, like, the, the internships are endless in, in D.C. That's kind of oh, yeah, what I always... Yeah. I always tell people, if you want an internship, go to go to D.C. Even some schools have like uh, Washington centers. You know, oh yeah, their, yeah. Uh, I'm an alum alumna from from the Washington Center. Are you? Yeah, from my, my time at UMass Dartmouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We used yeah. to uh, Anna Maria College. We had one over there, okay. so we they used to go. Uh, whoever was interested would would do it. Um, so I think uh, we talk. Uh, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll take a, our last break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more about kind of Jacob Ventura himself, and maybe step away a little from politics, kind of just so people actually can get to know uh, who you are. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up, and then that'll be uh, our show tonight. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. On Tuesday, October 30th, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., the United Regional Chamber of Commerce will hold its 29th annual Taste of the Region at Tri-County Regional Votechnical High School in Franklin. Taste of the Region is an annual celebration of restaurants from all of the 16 communities that the United Regional Chamber serves. Attendees will have the opportunity to sample food from a variety of restaurants that are members of the Chamber. You sit down at your table, you get your card. 25 squares hold the key. Which one will it be? I-25, O-72, or Lucky B-13? Which one will be the square that makes you jump up and shout, Bingo! The Attleboro Elks Lodge, 1014, hosts Bingo each Sunday at 887 South Main Street. Open to the public, the kitchen opens at 5 p.m. with a variety of food available. Bingo starts at 6 p.m. Prizes are awarded and proceeds support Elks Charities. For further details, you can visit attleboroelks.org or you can call 508-222-5502. Remember, Elks Care, Elks Share. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with Jacob Ventura, who is a candidate for uh, state senate this coming election, November uh, 6th. Uh, we talked about his kind of platform, it's kind of what he stands for, uh, the differences between him and his opponent. Uh, but, Jacob, let's talk a little bit about yourself, kind of give our listeners a, a chance to really understand, because I know a lot of these interviews, a lot of politicians talk about uh you know, political issues, political stances, and uh, uh, our morning host, Dominic Katoria, likes to ask this question. I think it's a good question, too, and that is, 
when you have free time, I know you're busy right now campaigning, but when you do have free time, what does Jacob Ventura like to do? What is uh, what is some of your, some of your hobbies? I, I love guess? I love long walks on the beach. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean I enjoy the ocean, uh, of course, but uh, the beach is great. But uh, no, I'm a huge sports fan: Red Sox, Patriots, uh, local sports fan. Grand Slam last night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I know. Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy politics to an extent, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, guess absolutely. you could say. Um, uh, and uh, used to study architecture. Um, so, you know, I have interest, love traveling, yeah, love yeah, food. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about Portugal earlier. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Love Portuguese food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we... Uh, uh, I my family came from the Azores, so my mom's from St. Michael, my father's from Terceira, so uh, I, I visited uh, Lisbon, right outside of Lisbon, and I've also been to St. Michael, but you, you've also been uh, to those places as well, right? That's right. I, I The last time I was in St. Michael, this was uh, uh, Ponta Delgada and Lagoa. Uh, this was go, going back in 1996, so it's changed quite a bit. Uh, but I had the opportunity uh, last week or two weeks ago now, Rehoboth celebrated their 375th anniversary parade uh, at the parade, and uh, the delegation from Lagoa was there. So uh, quite an interesting... Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, yeah. And, uh, you know, if a I'll be the newest member of the Portuguese delegation and uh, uh, take that as a high honor. So Yeah, absolutely. It's good. I always say, whether it's at the city level or state, it's always good to... Diversity is good anywhere. You yeah. Know, like, it's... Uh, we do have a, you know... It, I, I still have to look into it. I say it all the time, but I, I saw a stat once that there's probably more... Uh, it's not... Uh, there's more Azorians here in America than they are in the Azores. I believe that, yeah. You know, because yeah. it, it's so weird because you go to Fall River and go to Shav's Market or something, it's like, <laughs> from my first time in St. Michael, I felt like I was in Fall River. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, like I could have sworn I've seen this guy somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, the great debate is who has the better Portuguese food, New Bedford, Fall River, or Portugal, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's, 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 like, that's the longest bridge, man. I know. From Swansea to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's because did you uh, what were some of the what are some of the things that you saw in Portugal that uh, kind of struck your eye or? Yeah, you know, I, I was I just happened to be there again this past November and uh, I, I visited Lisbon and uh, Porto and uh, you know again the, the food I just cannot underscore the food and uh, you know some of the best wine in the world I think um, and great people absolutely uh, certainly great people so uh, the culture is just phenomenal uh, and. Anybody who's listening who hasn't been or who is Portuguese and has not been, I highly, highly recommend uh, going um, at least once. So yeah, and if you if you try to get anything done at uh, noontime, is everyone's on break for lunch. So it's uh, yeah. I remember the first time I went there, we're in the city. It was like I don't know, like noon or one. Everyone's closed. Yeah. Everyone closes in Portugal at around noon for lunchtime. But That's it's like right. a two-hour lunch too. And I yeah. go back and I told my uncle, I'm like, dude, like not, nothing. <coughs> Nothing was open. He's like, "What time did you go?" I was like, oh, "Around noon." He's like, "Yeah, because everything city closes at, for, for <laughs> noon, man. Everyone's eating." But right. uh, and the coffee is phenomenal too. Yeah, yeah. Espresso's huge there. Oh that's yeah, kind of yeah. like the biggest. Uh, there's cafes everywhere. That's right. That's the biggest thing that. That's something I really liked in. Uh, probably liked about Portugal. Like everything's so close. You can just walk everywhere. You don't even, you know, take yeah. a bus in, then you just walk everywhere. Right. And purchasing power is uh, quite decent there as oh, well. Yeah. So for folks who uh, want an affordable vacation, I think. Uh, You'll really uh, get your money's worth there. Yeah, we went to, I went food shopping once. I think I maybe dropped like 50, 80 euros. And it was just like food for days. Yeah. It was just forever. You yeah. know, even five euros there, 
the meal you get for five euros doesn't even compare to what you know <laughs> six seven bucks would be in America. Yeah. Um, but uh, going back to kind of like my uh, milestones, if when was the last time there was an Attleboro uh, elected official for your position that you're running for? Yeah. So we we went back and did the research. Uh, the last time a resident of the city of Attleboro served in the state senate was 1949. It was Francis O'Neill. I think his picture was hanging up at the uh, the city hall. He was a former mayor here in t- uh, in the city as well. Uh, so it's been it's going to be 70 years. Uh, so if uh, the great people of Attleboro elect me on November 6th, um, you know, I, I will swear in uh, January 2nd of this coming year, 2019, and it will have been 70 years. So I think it's time that uh, we have a resident of the city uh, in the Senate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you were elected, what would, be, what's one of the, what would be the first order of business? What's kinda, what would be your first project you'd like to, to work on? Um, so... Uh, we have uh, meetings already scheduled. Uh, look, we're trying to win this election. We're not taking it for granted. We're knocking on thousands of doors. But um, <clears throat> when you when you win the election, uh, if I'm fortunate enough to have that opportunity on November 6th, uh, we're going straight to work on November 7th, uh, forming a transition team, putting a staff together, uh, a staff that is dedicated 100% to this district and all nine communities. Um, and uh, I have meetings. Uh, we're already beginning to try and set up uh, for transi- a transition team with our local uh, municipal officials. So uh, down in Seekonk, Rehoboth, here in Attleboro. Uh, and uh, again, it's finding the needs of the district. Um, you have two months, really, uh, before you get elected and you get sworn in to get all of your affairs and the district's affairs in order. And once you get sworn in uh, at the beginning of January, I think you have like two or three weeks to get all of your legislation filed for the entire two-year cycle. So between the year of 2019 through 2020, yeah. everything has to be done. So um, look, we're, we're working hard right, in, right through election day until polls close at 8 p.m., but uh, uh, we're prepared to transition and represent this area on November 7th, that next day, so. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the amount of time you have for all that legislation. I always say it's tough that two-year term. Because your first year, you're probably working, but the next year, you're already thinking about campaigning. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I really feel about a two-year term just because of that system. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you start. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You get yeah. that work done one year, and then already uh, that focus is kind of campaigning. Again, though, I, and I want to emphasize to the viewers, uh, I've been through this with the legislature and Representative Howitt, the learning curve for me is almost non-existent. I mean, obviously, you're still going to have some yeah. unexpected challenges and a new setting, but uh, um, I know exactly what I'm getting into, and I'm ready to uh, lead this city and this region Absolutely. on day number one. Um, are there any uh, specific issues or uh, any uh, specific things you wanted to, to mention or... Uh you know, I, how if someone wants to get in contact with you, how can how can they do that? Sure, uh, my direct line um, is five zero eight four five 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 six nine six. That's five zero eight four five 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 six nine six. You can uh, visit me on my website at jacobventura.com, and you can uh, email me at info i n f o info at jacobventura.com. Uh, those are the easiest ways. You can find me on Twitter. My uh, handle is at Jacob Ventura, and I think on Facebook uh, you can follow our campaign in every step. Um, and I believe our 
username is joinjacob2018, which is on Facebook. So uh, just Google us. We're all over the web. Uh, and you can follow along and contact us. Sounds good. So I, I forgot to mention this too. You meant when you mentioned architecture, we actually when I was at uh, Bristol Community College, we went to UMass Dartmouth and just we had an entire course on the architecture of that school. The, the way the the halls are meant to be narrow to kind of get people uh, to talk. The way the, the the berms are set up out there. But um, how was your time at UMass? Did you like it there? Did you? I did. Uh, I went there from the year 2005 to 2009. So since then, they've had uh, major architectural upgrades, and they're getting a. Uh, they have a whole uh, uh, revitalization plan in place. They're doing a great job down there. Uh, while I was there, it was still very gray and cold. Uh, we used to call it concrete corduroy, uh, the architecture, but it was yeah. uh, it was a great place to learn uh, and an affordable education. Um, uh, but the architect, I think his name was uh, something Randolph, Rudolph Randolph, something, something like that. Like, I, he, I can't remember a, exactly. Uh, but it was, was an interesting style, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, there's uh, – I remember we were talking once about um, how sometimes when, when you're walking down the hall, there's like a random door. That's right. That will just pop up. And the, the, the point of that was to – at that point, it was you could just open it. You'd be at the back of the class, and if you heard the first five minutes and you were interested – you would just sit in. <laughs> that that was like the, his uh, kind of motive behind it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I wish that was the case now. Now it's <laughs> like, uh, you in this class? No, get out of here. I know. Yeah. But uh, that's good stuff. But uh, we like to. Uh, is there any other closing thoughts? Kind of last uh, last uh, uh, messages you'd like to send uh, to our listeners or anyone out there? Yeah. Look, uh, I've said this again. Uh, for me, this is not about political ambition or political party. Um, this is about working together to get the job done. For me, this is going to be a job uh, servicing the people of this district, the people of the city of Attleboro and this region, and uh, making sure that we dedicate 100% of our efforts to doing so, whether it's constituent services, advocating legislation, and making sure we do the job up on Beacon Hill. Uh, this is about making sure we make state government work better for everybody, uh, and I mean everybody in the Commonwealth. Um, and doing it in a bipartisan manner. Again, I've been endorsed by Governor Baker uh, and uh, the Lieutenant Governor, and I think uh, having an ally in the corner office will help the city of Attleboro and this region uh, so I can uh, effectively advocate for state funding for various projects, whether it's transportation, education, um, environmental, um, and, and work with the people of this region. And I have very, very good relationships with the delegation in this area um, on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, look forward to just going to work, uh, but I, I need to get elected first. So we're spending the next 19 days going door to door, continuing to. I've hit over, gosh, I think 20 or 25,000 doors over the last 18 months. And uh, uh, if we haven't been at your door yet, um, we will be very soon. So, awesome. All right. Uh, oh, almost forgot. We uh, we like to do. Uh, it's been like a little thing of our show. We like to ask. Uh, each guest uh, if you could talk to anyone from history uh, you know, it can be anyone and ask them one question who would you want to talk to and uh, what would you want to ask them so you know last year the Sun Chronicle I don't know if I can even call them out here right now but they asked me who, who who's an interesting political figure of yours and I said Abigail Adams and I went into the editorial board meeting and they said well, how could that be let's get someone so but I, I put Abigail Adams I thought she was a very interesting figure in political history um, uh, you know, 
probably one of the, the, the first women here in Massachusetts at the time that really led the, uh, the efforts to the formation of this country. Um, so at fear of uh, getting criticized by our local paper, I'll, I'll, I'll go with John Adams. Uh, <laughs> as a, form, uh, as a, a lawyer myself, uh, I think probably the, one of the more interesting things about John Adams' uh, a rich history here in the Commonwealth before we were uh, a country or a state um, you know, he was a lawyer, as m many of your viewers know, who uh, had to represent the, uh, the, uh, the kings, the British troops here in Boston during the massacre, right after the massacre. And even though he was a loyal patriot to the, the new nation uh, in these colonies, he, uh, uh, because of the respect and the rule of law, he decided that these British troops uh, needed fair representation uh, in the king's court up in Boston. And... Uh, and he did it despite the political pressures uh, of his fellow patriots. Look, John Adams ended up going on to be president, but at the time he was uh, an up-and-coming lawyer in Boston and uh, had a great political future, and people warned him. They said, if you go and represent these British uh, soldiers, you're done. Yeah. And you know what? He did it. And uh, so I don't know if that's a question. I, I guess the question for John Adams would be, uh, why? Why? Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the answer, I think we all know and respect, and I think it's good. I think uh, uh, his respect for the law here in this country, and uh, uh, that, you know, just sticks out. But Absolutely. All righty. Uh, would you like to say any last words or uh, anything before we wrap up the, the show entirely? Yeah, no, I think we've covered a lot. I, I, again, I just want to thank uh, the people of Attleboro. I want to thank you for having me on, and uh, I, I so very much look forward to being the next senator here in this uh, this city. And uh uh, working every single day to represent every single person in this city and in this region. All right. Wonderful. Already, folks, there you have it. It's the Paul Seguro Show. Uh, we just talked to Jacob Ventura uh, for this segment. Then earlier we had uh, the Bristol Community College uh, representatives. Um, but all right, we're going to wrap up. Uh, it's going to be uh, it for today. Next week we will have uh, a representative from the St. Vincent de Paul Society here, and we also have a uh, local business owner, uh, Erin Riley, who is the owner um, – at the Dance Factory in downtown Attleboro, talk about current projects they have going on and vice versa with the, the St. Vincent de Paul Society. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, have a wonderful evening, and we'll be here next week to do it all over again. Yeah. Uh.